0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody. Check out Parley Points, new blogs, drop in, the T Public Store. Enough said there. If you don't have any ODPH swag, that is the place to go get it, and you never know what we're going to be throwing up there this week. Mm-hmm. You never know. That's why you got to go check it out. The Directory, the Classifieds, all that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the Sports Podcast, though, we have to recap a wild night of action. Yeah, we do. For the UFC. hmm UFC 274 took place live from Arizona this past week, and man, oh man, oh man, did it deliver some surprises. Yes. That were good. Yes. And one very, very disappointing fight. Uh-huh. I, I have to say on record... There's no spoiler about it. I think I have actually witnessed the worst MMA fight I think I've ever seen. It's up there. So well, let's break down the card. We'll give you our reactions to it. So, Pad, ring the bell.
1: Well, the f- uh, first thing we got to mention is, as we previewed last week, the fight was spo- or the card was supposed to lead off with Donald Cerrone taking on Joe Lozon. However, that fight did not take place mm-hmm. uh, because Cerrone had to be pulled from the fight due to a non covid related
0: illness food poisoning was the thing i heard
1: okay that would make sense because uh as anyone who has watched the sport enough knows cerrone will not stop for anything Mm -hmm. i mean he had the injury where he busted his nose blew through his nose his eyes swelled shut and he still wanted to fight you know i was telling my girlfriend i'm like he's really got to be in bad shape If he's not willing to fight, she goes, well, how bad would it have to be? I go, he would have to be like projectile vomiting or not able to move because he's so sick because otherwise he would still try to fight. Uh, so definitely well wishes to him and get uh, well soon. Uh, don't have to wait terribly long, though, because as it has been announced today, uh, according to Brett akamoto of ESPN.com, uh, the fight has been rebooked for the June 18th card in Austin, Texas.
0: All right. That makes perfect sense. I mean, Cerrone, like I said, I heard food poisoning was the reasoning why. And that's safe, safer than, you know, try, him trying to gut through it. I know he would have if they lo- oh, allowed yeah. him to. Oh, so there's yeah. no question of that. But it was a situation that he only has a couple more fights left. Once he gets to 50, he said he's done. Mm -hmm. And I fully believe that, too. Oh, yeah. You talk about a guy that has been the definition of tread on the tires. He is that. And obviously him and Lozon, they agreed to do it. I know that there was a question – about making the weight Mm -hmm. that was going to be the only hiccup. But if they got the fight signed for June, it makes perfect sense to me. And and fans are excited to see that one anyway.
1: Uh, So moved up from the prelim card to the main card was a welterweight uh, fight to open the main card, and it was between Randy Brown and Chaos Williams. Uh, And you had Randy Brown emerge victorious, defeating Chaos uh, via split decision. uh, 29-28, 28-29, and 29-28.
0: Very back-and-forth fight. Yeah. I have to say that. I mean, Randy Brown, I thought, had a little more reach on him, and Chaos was... Having his moments here mm-hmm. and there, but was it enough to really win a round? C- Close, but no. Yeah, they're, the only one I think maybe was the second round, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But it was a situation that both fighters were trying to work their best strike game going. And this mm-hmm. is something that, sure, it went to decision, but it wasn't a boring fight by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. They were both about the same equal skill level. So this was a very good test for both fighters. But Brown, I thought, was just working the angles a little easier. I think he was definitely pulling under more pressure. Williams just seemed to kind of run out of gas by the third, it looked like.
1: It was either that or it was a situation like with Manny Pacquiao when he fought Floyd Mayweather, and his team was like, you're winning this fight. And he might have been, might not have been. You know, Because to me, it seemed like he either was running out of gas or he was coasting thinking he was going to win.
0: See, and that could be the case, and I would scream at any judge or any coaching team don't tell your fighters Uh -uh. they're doing well. Nope. Keep them motivated and keep them hungry. Because that's the one thing that we've seen time in and time out in MMA, that fighters hear, oh, you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. You're applying the game plan. You got this. No. You want them to go for a finish. Because as we talked about time in and time out, judges are the weirdest Mm-hmm. philosophy to figure out mm-hmm. you have no idea what they're watching what they're looking for if you leave it in their hands there is no such thing as a sure bet it's not a lock by any stretch of the imagination it is the closest to a definition of a leap that you'll ever see in professional sports Uh huh. you can't take anything like that for granted and just say okay well i think i won enough to win
1: you could be the judge's best friend you could have been the best man in their wedding you know, longtime friends since childbirth, you know, that whole thing, and yet still won't know how they're going to go. I mean, how many times have we seen it on a card that we're watching going, oh, fighter A clearly won the fight. They won ring position. They had more, you know, time and they had more ground control. They had more strikes, more head kicks, more, more takedowns, more takedown defense. Like, statistically, every box got checked in their favor. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the judge's scorecard, and they give it to fighter
2: B.
0: Yeah, it's just a... You, wh- you just can't leave it in their hands. It's just a weird scenario. And I guess I would just sit there as a fighter. I wouldn't care if my coaches told me I was winning or not. I, w- I wouldn't mind if, like, certainly
1: be encouraging, be like, hey, you're doing a good job, like, great punches, great this, great that. But don't sit there and go, you got
0: this. Yeah, no, I want to. I want them to keep me motivated, stay hungry, and go for that win. I want uh-huh. to go for a finish. And if you think about, it too, how many times do we hear about fighters complaining about money? Oh, yeah. How many times does Dana White and company have performance of the night bonuses? Oh, yeah. You don't get them for decisions, usually. Nope. Just putting that out there. So... In this fight, it might have been a case of that, which, I mean, would make sense. I just thought Williams started looking gassed at that end of the second, like in about like the last 45 seconds, yeah, and then it carried on to the third round because Brown was definitely moving, throwing a lot of different angles at him with the strikes, and it's something that it it was a smart move on his part to do.
1: Brown reminded me a lot of John Jones in in certain aspects.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: You know, the way he moved around and
0: and just kind of the fight
1: style because I think they, without looking, they might be up around the same height, maybe close to it. Uh, but a lot of, lot of similarities to John Jones, and, and, hey, it worked in his favor. You know, not not a decisive win, but, hey, win's a win.
0: No, throwing those angle shots, they definitely had a little influence by John on them. So, yeah, but the win is a win, and, and he's lucky he came out with that because, like I say, that could have gone either way. Oh, yeah, easily. Easily.
1: Uh, next up was in the light heavyweight division, and this was for the old school fans. This was between Mauricio Shogunhua taking on Ovin St. Peru. And you had OSP uh, win by split decision, uh, winning 28-29, 29-28, and 30-27.
0: Okay, Pat, let me ask you this before I get my breakdown on this. Uh-huh. You saw Shogun fight. I did. Do you think that he should get one more fight, or is it done-done?
1: Dun, uh, dun, for personally, done-done. Like, there was nothing in there that made me sit there and go, you know what, I want to see him fight one more time. Like, it was borderline sad to see. You know, it wasn't necessarily uh, Chuck Liddell at the end of his Mm -hmm. career sad, but it was close.
0: I agree with you in this sense. It was close to the the last days of Chuck fighting at a high level. I have to Mm -hmm. fully verify that statement with you. I thought Shogun showed up for this fight. I think OSP was a very equal opponent at this stage in the game for him. Absolutely. I thought Taking all that in consideration, I thought Shogun did okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think he looked as bad as it might have came off, but I know that he has one more fight on contract. And after hearing what Dana was saying in the post-fight presser, he will get that one fight and then it looks like it's done. Okay, I'm okay with that because I thought in this fight, both guys are not the same fighters that we have seen over the years. Father Time no. has caught up to him. Like, listen, the, the game has just moved on without them. And it is something that this will happen to every single athlete in every single sport. There comes a time when the sport moves ahead of you.
1: And, and there just it comes a time where you just can't do it anymore. I mean, Brett Favre at the end of his career, mm-hmm. Tom Brady at the end of his career, you know, all the great baseball players over the years. Like, pick a sport. There just comes a time where you just can't do it anymore, and you have to realize that and be like, all right, you know what? It's time to hang it up.
0: Yeah, and this situation for Shogun, who I mean, his career is legendary. I think he knows the window is closing, and I think he was giving it his all, and it's just something that is tough for me to watch as a fan that has seen him fight for so many years now, to see this kind of performance, and you're just going like, oh, man.
1: Uh, According to UFC.com, there were 118 total strikes between the two of these gentlemen. Over the course of fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah, that's not a good stat. No. No. And it's a situation that the game has moved on without them. And to kind of reiterate that you're now seeing their skills are diminished. Was this anything horrific to watch? No.
1: It wasn't it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't horrific though. I mean there was 118 strikes. There, were, by the end of this podcast, there will have been as many submission attempts uh, between the two of us as there were in this fight, which is none. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like a one dimension, dimensional fight. wasn't exciting, wasn't thrilling, but like wasn't the worst thing.
0: No, it definitely wasn't the worst, but it was a situation that I think now Dana has to give him that one last fight, and Shogun, I, it would be smart to just finish it out and then move on to something else. I don't want to see him go to a different organization after this and still think he can make a go oh, of I it. I can still do it. Not yet, no. It's no. one of the Yeah, it's one of those things that, listen, you've had a legendary career. Yeah. There's no question about it. Should be a, a sure ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, 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 I don't know how they do the voting or how you get in on that
1: process, but when he gets in, it will be no surprise.
0: Yeah, sure, first ballot. No question about it in my mind. But I think in the situation of protecting the legacy, writing out, pick your last opponent. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there isn't anybody jumping to mind. I don't want to say no. Dan Henderson. Oh, God, no. No, no, not at this stage. I, you know, like just move on, get one last fight in you, and then take it to somewhere else. I think for OSP, it's almost the same deal in the yeah. sense that it's just, you're at that age and it's just not progressing forward.
1: He's not going to get another Tyler run in him, barring something bizarre and freaky happening. You know, I think he's going to be more the, hey, you're here and you're going to be the guy that like up and comers. Test themselves against.
0: Yeah, it's, he's not going to have a Glover to share run. No. N- Very few people have a Glover run in them. Bar, the, like I said, barring something freaky. Yeah, but in this case, no. No, be, no. Like, listen, I think the writing's on the wall. Not wishing anything bad or anything, but I think we might have seen the last time of him in the Octagon. Maybe. So, interesting to see where this goes for both gentlemen after this. But, Pat, I think the fight oh. that everybody has been talking about, Ooh. and rightfully so... Ooh is up next.
1: That was in the lightweight division, and this was between Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler, and you have Michael Chandler emerge victorious, knocking out Tony Ferguson with a front kick at 17 seconds into the second round. God damn.
0: I will say this. I think this is the most vicious knockout I've ever seen.
1: Uh, I know Dana was comparing it and saying it was the it was the nastiest knockout he's ever seen, and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, and Ngannou Overeem is number one for me, but
0: this is a close second. Granted, you saw Overeem's soul leave his body. That's my point. But this one, you saw a man flatline. Uh huh. He folded in on himself. This it'd be one of the scariest f- endings of a fight I think I've ever seen. Uh, it ranks up there with Uriah Hall on okay. uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Oh yeah. When he gave that spinning heel kick yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and knocked that kid out cold. I, I yep. can't remember his name. I mean, that's goes to show. I mean, how devastating that was. That made Uriah Hall a superstar. Mm-hmm. This fight, though, Tony Ferguson has been a legend in the lightweight division for many years now.
1: Maybe the ultimate uh, what-could-have-happened story. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, absolutely. I There is no question about that. Him against Habib is the dream fight we will never see happen, arguably. Arguably. Crazier things have happened in this world, but I would say it's probably a surefire lock. We will never see that fight. Probably not. And for Tony, he's not been having the greatest of luck Lately, yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch. It's been a rough stretch, and going against Michael Chandler, who has been one of the UFC's bright stars, yeah, since coming over. I mean, mixed success, mixed success, and like I said last week, needed to prove himself. And yeah, yo, you did. Oh, absolutely. But very mixed success. Oh yeah,
1: uh, came in one, and then his next two fights he lost. But who did he lose to? uh Oliveira and
0: Gaethje. Yeah, and that's nothing to sneeze about by any stretch of the imagination. So, for Chandler to come in, and this fight in the first round was very back and forth. Like, Tony was ready to go. You could argue Tony won the first round. Absolutely. He came in, and he looked like the Tony of old for being 37. I mean, he looked like the guy. So, now you go into that second round, and Chandler and him are squaring off, and whatever possessed Chandler to throw an up kick, beyond me. But, man, he landed that thing flush. I
1: can't think of the last time I saw an up kick knockout in you're right. He landed that thing flush. The photo I've seen floating around social media since the fight on Saturday night, where it's at the exact moment Chandler's foot connects with Ferguson's chin. God, holy yeah. shit, that's insane! But this, that knockout was so insane that he felt he felt he collapsed in on himself, like his top half folded in on himself. He fell and hit the ground and was laying there like he was asleep, literally, yeah. like hands at his arms at his sides, and he was just laying there. The doctor came in, rolled his ass over, and he was still laying there like he was a kid asleep in his bed. And it was a solid—what would you say, three, four minutes? Easily. Where they weren't showing replays, they also weren't showing him, which wasn't the best sign. And then it wasn't until Joe Rogan made the comment, "Oh, he's—you know—Ferguson's finally up on a stool." But that was easily three or four minutes after he got knocked out.
0: The only kick I can say is comparable to this is Anderson Silva landing one on Vitor Belfort. Yeah, A few years ago, yeah. but, even, but Vitor went straight down on his knees. Granted, he was looking up at the ceiling. Silva threw that kick out of nowhere. Chandler, I never saw throwing this kick, and he landed it so flush. I legit thought he might have seriously done some damage to Tony because Tony went straight out cold, and he was not moving. It was a scary scene looking back at it. Yeah, and Pat's showing me the picture right now of just Tony's face just going straight to mush uh-huh. with, with Chandler's feet just hitting right square on his chin. His he, face looks like something out of like Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It just goes to show how much force Chandler throws. And I think that people sleep on that a, a little bit. It's He's come off a couple of bad losses, but granted, he's fought the number one guy in the division and the number two right now.
1: Well, because you expect a guy to throw, I guess you could call them normal kicks, mm-hmm. where it's like to the side and sure. to the shin and this and that. Who the fuck expects you to stand there and up-kick somebody and knock them the fuck out? Like, no, it, it was on of. I, I don't expect that. I'm, I'm sure there was probably a conversation that went on in his camp where Chandler went, you know what? I want to work on my up-kicks. And the coach went, wait, you want to work on what now?
0: I think what he thought, and I and I don't blame him on this, Ferguson is known for the gas tank coming forward constant pressure. Yeah. And I think that he was waiting on that moment where he saw a quick second. I mean, this was, goes to show I mean, how fast you got to think on your feet in a fight. Mm-hmm. He waited for a second that Tony let his guard down, and it's a split second. Yeah. And he just threw everything he had into that. Now, if he missed, probably going right on his back. Yeah. And then Ferguson, depending yeah. on if you want to let him stand back up or what, but the fight would have definitely shifted momentum. Oh, yeah,
1: well, because honestly, who's expecting anything like that forward or that direct coming out of uh, the the in-between rounds?
0: No, you're not expecting that, and that was so smart on him and his camp if they, if they game-planned that. I have not heard how they did.
1: I mean, it's the Ben, it's the, uh, what was it? The, Jorge Masvidal. It was the Masvidal-Askrin aspect, where, like, you you expect a guy to come at you and, like, strike at you and maybe grapple at you with it a little bit, but you're not expecting a guy to come full sprint and jumping in the air.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. But this couldn't have been timed any more perfect. Chandler threw everything he had on it. You could not land a cleaner strike ever. No. And Ferguson obviously went out cold. After the fight, though, this is where the headlines were getting made for this one. Boy, Michael Chandler gets on the microphone and cuts one of the most epic promos in MMA history, Mm -hmm. just to paraphrase a bit. And for the UFC, who has been desperate to get a star in their divisions, you could not have asked for a better present given to you than Michael Chandler. No. Because Chandler called out pretty much everybody. Uh Uh-huh. But most notably, he threw something out into the ether that I went, I see this fight and I need to have this fight. No, no,
1: notorious.
0: He called out Connor McGregor and said, I'll go up to 170 and fight you. So you don't have to worry about a weight cut, to paraphrase. I was like, that is a perfect fight. You could not script this any better. Because for Chandler, you could fight the winner of Oliveira and Gaethje, sure. And rightfully so, deserve a rematch there. But let's be honest. You've taken two L's from both of those gentlemen, respectively. There, If you lose to the champ, then where do you go from here? And it's a very tight because especially that division is so stacked that taking two losses, it will be extremely difficult to get another title shot at this stage just because of the talent that's there. But to take a shot with Conor, and obviously you've proven you can sell some tickets by the way you can cut a microphone promo, that is right up the UFC's alley. And now the question becomes, does Dana book this? Maybe. Maybe you think it's a maybe, or where's your feelings on this, Pat? I mean,
1: it's hard to say. I think it's going to be wherever Dana thinks it makes the most sense and wherever, listen, it doesn't matter what the money will be. You know, either one of these fights, this one or when we get to the main event, you know, either one will make a boatload of fucking money.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, this is going to be an easy money payday for him. And this could not go any better for Chandler. This really could not. Because with everybody else kind of tied up to see where you can go, it's wild to think that this fight just came out of nowhere, and this is the one everybody's talking about. And, and sure, I mean, Chandler could get a rematch for the uh, championship, sh- and I think that he'd be rightfully so to do that. And I know some of the other names have been thrown around. He's been getting tagged with uh, Nate Diaz for his last fight right? because he said he'd go up to 170. Nate responded and said, I've been on ice for a year. Why not? That's a great fight to make too because now you have somebody that can sell tickets. Not that we ever doubted him if you watched Chandler fight in the past. But now he's taken full advantage of that. The momentum is hot for him right now.
1: And Connor did take notice. It took me a minute to dig it up because I think he's deleted the tweet since then. But I know he tweeted out about this on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this comes to us from uh, I'm reading this off MMAmania.com, uh, but they have the quote from what Connor had tweeted. It says quote I'd have knocked I'd have a nice knock off this guy, no doubt about it. A firework spectacle. I like the 170 shout also. Tipped him over. I'm definitely game to fight this guy at some stage in my career. I see it happening after tonight. Congrats on a solid win, Michael, and another uh, barnstormer.
0: It makes sense, too, because the one thing we have to remember, I know Connor's name gets thrown out all the time. Oh, yeah. He's not ready to come back right away. No. So any immediate turnaround for this is really up in the air. So I don't want to say that we'll see that fight happen anytime soon. However... I think when Connor's ready to go, I think the fight you got to make is Chandler, and I think that makes sense on so many various levels. Oh yeah, because I like grant I know he called out Oliveira and and and, Gaethje and he he's ready to go for the belt, and rightfully so because he knew the he knew the moment he was in. You're never gonna have a more perfect moment to call your shot. It was it was the best knockout. It was probably
1: the only knockout of the night, but it was like the most noteworthy moment of the fight thus far and of the entire
0: night. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So now Chandler can just sit back and wait. Oh, yeah. And for Ferguson, ah, it's tough. Because at this stage of the game, I don't see him being anywhere near a title contention. He's still going to be top 10 of the lightweight division. And
1: Well, but like, like again, barring something batshit crazy happening, probably not.
0: No, definitely not. I'm not sure who he gets. Maybe the loser of Darush and uh, Islam. Maybe. I think that, that would make some sense.
1: Uh let's see where he is. Uh he has dropped th- now, gotta bear in mind, given the events that took place on Friday where Oliver missed weight, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the lightweight division dropped. So there's no mover to shit. The only person who did the only person who didn't move in this ranking in the top ten are Chandler at five, uh Gillespie at eight, and McGregor at nine. Literally everybody else moved. Mm-hmm. Uh but specifically Tony Ferguson dropped three places to number ten. Yeah. now bear in mind if there was a champion it'd probably be two places but still
0: yeah exactly so it's a little more uncharted where Chan- or Ferguson's going but we'll yeah. have to wait and see because I mean there he's still a relevant fighter he's not exactly falling completely off he no. he was in this fight but you could land it with a perfect shot man there's no no shame in going down like that it's just I'm glad he's okay because it looked very very scary for, oh yeah no it was Speaking of scary, though... Uh,
1: not for completely opposite reason. Uh, this was the co-main event of the evening, and this was in the women's strawweight division for the strawweight championship. You had your champion Thug Rose Namajunas mm-hmm. defending her bent- belt against Carl, Carla Esparza, uh, and Carla Esparza emerged victorious, defeating Rose in uh, by a split decision Uh, And I got to say, these judges' scores are quite fucking generous.
2: Yeah,
0: to say the least.
1: 47-48, 49-46, and 48-47. The thoughts, views, and opinions are that of the ODPH and do not uh, necessarily... Yeah, the whole warning thing, you know.
0: Yeah. I will go on record. I think this is the worst MMA fight I've ever seen in my life.
1: I went to the liberty of going to UFC.com, and if you go to their past events page, you can look up past events, and they will break down uh the stats and results so obviously so the winner and the method and the round and the time and this and that uh but then it goes to strikes uh for the entire fight uh rose namajunas had 38 total strikes to uh carla esparza's 30 uh significant strikes was 37 to 30 uh and then takedowns uh rose had one takedown to carla esparza's two uh there were no knockdowns no submission attempts and no reversals of any sort I went even one step further. Like, if that doesn't explain or kind of paint the picture to you, the listener, who might not have seen this fight, I would say go watch the fight, but Christ almighty, I don't hate you that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me break it down by round, because there is a little thing in here where you can click down stats by round. Okay. Uh, For round one, total strikes, four. Takedowns, none. Submission attempts, none. Or no, sorry, there were uh, four between the two. There were four between the two. Uh, Reversals, none. Uh, only four significant strikes, no knockdowns, total strikes in round two, three, uh, for to Thug Rose, uh, four to Carla Esparza. Again, no takedowns, submission attempts, reversals, or knockdowns, uh, and then three significant strikes to four round three. There were 11 total strikes, uh, off to, for Thug Rose nine for Carla Esparza. Again, no takedowns, submission attempts, reversals, or knockdowns. Uh, and then the same number of significant strikes for total strikes. So 11 to nine. Round four, you had seven total strikes from... Now, mind you, these are five-minute rounds. Mm -hmm. This isn't like boxing where it's like two and a half minutes. Right. Seven total strikes from Rose, eight from Carla Esparza. He actually had two takedowns from Carla Esparza in the second round. No submission attempts, no reversals. Uh, Six significant strikes from Rose to eight from Carla. No knockdowns. And then in the final round, you had 13 total strikes from Rose, five from Carla Esparza one takedown uh from uh rose no submission attempts no reversals uh same number of significant strikes to total strikes of so 13 to 5 and no knockdowns this was bad
0: this was bad on so many different levels like i i'm not even sure where i should jump in to start deep diving about this i
1: mean the thing that blew my mind was i forget where in between which round it was but by this it was not the first in inter- first intermission or second It might have been the third um But the crowd was actively booing because if you've seen a Thug Rose fight, they're not exactly like George St. Pierre Mm Lamprey, you know, but they're also not exactly like watching a heavyweight where you're, all right, it's going to be a knockout in the first five minutes. Right. They're still usually fairly active and in high, uh, high intensity. But this was, I, I, you know, I like to use the term ballroom dancing when you got two fighters going around and circling around and they're not really doing anything. That'd be an insult to ballroom dancing, calling this ballroom. And, and the crowd was not into it at all, and I realized the crowd can be fickle, you know, and they can boo when when it's uh, during a technical fight or where it's on the ground a lot. But like the crowd was actively booing, and I, and if I remember right, I know uh, Rose's coach said you're you're doing it right, you yep. so you're doing it right, you're doing this, and I think at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, he said, "Listen to that, you're winning," and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?"
0: There was multiple things wrong with this fight, so let me just ch- jump in. I, I'm gonna might be a little scatterbrained about this one, but I'm just going as it's coming to me here. Oh, go ahead. First problem with this fight is you had three rounds where there was no action. Nope. None. None whatsoever. There, this,
1: there were stats there, but in in terms of like something happening, no.
0: No. This. Yeah, there, there are stats just for the records, but this doesn't give you the picture. This was a fight where you had two fighters dance around the ring, afraid to strike the other. Mm -hmm. And this is where problem number one, the referee should have jumped in. Oh, yeah. And basically say, I'll take away a point if you don't start engaging. This is something that happens in combat sports. Oh, it does. So if you're not familiar with it, that's not unheard of to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. It should have happened here in round two without any question. Round 1 I can I I can stomach it a little bit. Sure. Well you see that a
1: lot of times in the first round where it's like a feeling out period. Exactly. They're dancing around. Like round 1 it's not uncommon.
0: Past that it's like all right, cut the shit. Exactly, because at this point you got you, you'll figure out somebody's timing. The one thing at this level of combat sports is you just need a round you can figure out right. holes in somebody's right. game and then you can exploit them. This this happens for both fighters. So this is a situation that once we went to round two, why are we hitting the reset button for round one?
1: Right, and it's not uncommon for two fighters to do this in the first round, especially when they have different uh, differing styles, where Thug Rose is more of a striker. Mm-hmm. You've got Carlo who's better at the wrestling. Carla, oh, I'm afraid of get, getting one of her head kicks and getting my head taken off and getting knocked out. I'm going to play it shy. Rose, oh, she's got a great wrestling game. I don't, I don't want to get taken down and submitted. I'm going to play it safe. Not uncommon, but like we said... Usually by the second round, you've got the timing figure out.
0: You're like, all right, let's do this. Exactly. And I mean, it's not like they haven't seen each other before. I mean, they were on the Ultimate Fighter together all those right. years and ago. There's, right, and there's enough footage. There's Nothing should be a surprise. Exactly. And especially for Rose, who I think... I hate putting a lot of the blame on her and her camp here, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, I felt that for a fighter that has put on Performance of the Knights against... Joanna Jurjacek, Jessica Andrade, Zang Wheelie. Rose has stepped up to those occasions. Mm-hmm. And Rose knows what it takes to be a champion and being a defending champion. Oh, yeah. When you get there against somebody with a wrestling background, such as Esparza, and it's nothing to take away from her, you know that you have to engage and imp- impose your will. This, mm-hmm. is, this happens in all combat sports. Mm-hmm. First round I can I like I said I can stomach that. The second round I can't. No. And I if you want to respect her wrestling game that much, sure. But you're in a fight. Mm-hmm. You need to aggress. You need to show octagon control. Right. You did not at any point show that. And it's not like Esparza took over those rounds either. Right. Because she was too worried about getting hit. Right. And that was clear as day 2. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and if Rose was afraid of getting taken down and facing Carla's wrestling game, this wasn't a revelation to the world that holy shit, she's got a wrestling re- good wrestling game. It's well known at this point. It's well it's, it's well documented. That's on you and by you I mean Rose. And your team to prepare for that. So, mm-hmm. what should you have done? Okay, my wrestling game isn't up to snuff. Am I going to be able to come, you know, train myself enough and in the time given and come up to Carla Esparza's level? Probably not. But if I'm if I'm Rose or I'm one of her coaches, I go all right. Listen, the, the girl you're going up against has got a great wrestling game. You don't have nearly a good wrestling game, so we got to at least work on your wrestling game, or, or get you some experience, or build you up a little bit. So we're going to take the best wrestler we have in our camp, and you're going to go a couple days a week against them in the cage, just wrestling, nothing else. Mm-hmm. The fact that you might not, may or may not have done that is really bad.
0: No, that's the problem because she's in that camp with Gaethje, Kamara Usman. Oh yeah, you can't tell me you didn't work on some wrestling there. I'm sorry. You can't tell me that. I think you, like, literally seeing Rose fight, I think she got too nervous in her head. Maybe. For whatever reason that she was going to get taken to the ground and not be able to get back up. And I can understand respecting somebody's abilities. Oh, I can tell. I fully get that. But at the same time, it's not like you've never faced a wrestler no. in your career as an MMA performer. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me you haven't had to do that. And then, like I said, maybe she was too worried she was going to get slammed again like she did against Andrade. Maybe. I mean, if, if that's the
1: case... That's the luck of the draw. I mean, as good as, as Tony Ferguson is, he unfortunately got caught with a
0: front kick to the face. Yeah. Shit happens. So I, I don't understand that mentality she had. So, like I said, she's second person I'm blaming about this one. Third one is her coaching corner. Hey. And I'm just going to... Kind of piggyback off something you said, Pat. Sure. They were saying she won that fight. Uh huh. You're doing great. You're winning this fight. Listen, I can understand that if you're aggressing and you're actually putting some points on the board, so to speak. You didn't.
1: No, you didn't. You you didn't get octagon control. You didn't hold her on the ground for multiple minutes.
0: No. You there, you, you didn't do anything to prove you won the rounds. There was nothing. You, you did not aggress. You did not do anything. And now I don't understand... I, un- I fully get the idea of the champ needs to be defeated for the belt. And Esparza did not do a great job. Oh, I agree with you. But Esparza did enough to sway the judges who are sitting there waiting for both people to do something. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen well, until and, the 4th. And I know we've seen
1: fighters in the past where champions were like, we felt they should have lost, but it didn't. And we kind of give it a chocolate to all champions advantage. You know, they're, they're the champ. You know, obviously the judges are going to swing their way a little bit. You know, Rose is good and she has a good pedigree. She's not there yet, though. You know, she's not there yet where it's like, okay, fight will be close. And you know what? They might give it to her because she's the champ. Mm-hmm. She's good. You know, she's got some great wins and she's got a great record. But to me, she, you know, she just doesn't have that aura about her yet where it's like, holy shit. All right, you know what? This is close. We're going to give this to her.
0: Yeah. And that's the problem that you have there that your coaches were telling you you did. And I'm sorry. If it was a closer fight and you threw more than thirty seven strikes in a fight, uh-huh. you might have a leg to stand on for this. You don't. No, you don't. Like simple math. If you want to just divide thirty 37 into five. Then what's said? You did six, seven strikes a round? Yeah. Like and you think you won?
1: Like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. You want you want you wanna if we're not painting a clear picture of like how bad this fight was, the dog was with us watching the fight that night because he is the biggest Rose Navajunas fan we know. Mm-hmm. And he was the angriest I think I've ever seen him for anything. Oh, absolutely! Like for MMA, pro wrestling, football, baseball—like you name it. That I think by the end of the fight, he was actively like swearing and dropping f bombs. By the end of the fight, like that was just how bad it
0: was. Well, you have to take in consideration we've seen Rose go toe to toe with Joanna Jacek, arguably the best uh, strawweight striker in history. Arguably, oh yeah, and yet this is how you perform in a situation against a striker against a wrestler who you could definitely outstrike at this stage in the game. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to sit there and legitimately tell me that you weren't ready and prepared for this fight? Because this has to fall on you and your camp and it's on the referee as well. And it's on Esparza as well too. Listen, if you're not ready to go in a fight at this level, you shouldn't be fighting.
1: Yeah. Like, plain and simple. Like there's no excuse. You're a champion. There's no excuse for for you to not be prepared for a fight. It's one thing if you get beaten and it's one thing if you get submitted, you get knocked out, you know, or you just lose by straight up by a straight up decision where it isn't this. No. You, you know, but but this this reflects poorly on you and it reflects poorly on your camp and your trainers.
0: Yeah, cuz I can't even say Esparza won this fight. I can't either. But the only thing that she did was she had a little little better fourth round than Rose. Yeah. asterisks. That's the easiest way to describe this fight. There is nothing worth going back and, and digging into seeing what happened here other than the coaches thought that Rose had done enough to retain by doing nothing. Makes sense of that logic.
1: Absolutely none.
0: So from here on out, Rose, I would go back to the drawing board.
1: Quickly, yeah.
0: And say, okay, why I didn't engage and figure that reason out, and your next fight out, whoever that's going to be against, mm-hmm. come to a very quick decision because you're going to need to. Oh yeah. And for Asparza, well, I would say this: you didn't want to engage with Rose. What are you going to do when you face the winner? And I'm already calling this: you're going to face the winner of j check and Zhang probably
1: because uh, Zhang is currently the number two ranked fighter.
0: Yeah. You're going to have to deal with one of those two. And I guarantee you right now, if you show up like you did against Rose, they're going to take you out in the first round. Uh huh. It's not even going to be close. Nope. So let's just put this fight to bed because I'm going to get more angry talking about it. Just overall, there is so many people to blame about how bad this fight was. And if you're trying to justify about how Rose won, you don't have a leg to stand on. Nope. If you're trying to say about how Esparza did... So much better, you don't have a leg to stand on. There is nothing here other than you had to give it to Sparza for one better round that should have been a 9-8 on a scorecard. Leave it at that. (sighs) End rant. All right, so let's get to the main event and talk happier.
1: Yeah, so the main event was for the uh, now vacant lightweight lightweight championship because, as I alluded to, uh, during the weigh-ins on Friday – uh, Charles Oliveira came in at one fifty five or no sorry initially he when he stepped on the scale he came in at one fifty six point five Now mm-hmm. uh, he needed to be at one fifty five uh so he did the old clothesless you know uh towel of shame mm-hmm. uh method where he 's standing there stark ass naked obviously you don 't see it, but hey he 's naked behind the uh, old towel. Uh, he then came in at one fifty five point five, mind you. His opponent, uh, Gechi, came in at wait, and <laughs> while Oliveira was scrambling to drop half a pound, Gechi already bulked back up to one sixty five. Mm-hmm. He, he posted that on his Instagram. Christ. Uh, but so yeah, Ga- uh, Oliveira came in at one fifty five point five once he dropped all his clothes. Uh, had an hour to drop a half a pound, which he was not able to. So he became, and this is, boy, this is not a stat or a trivia fact you want to be a part of. Uh, he became the first UFC champion in history to uh, miss weight and be stripped of the belt. Uh, there have been instances, obviously, over the years where guys and girls have missed weight. Mm-hmm. None of them have been champions. Uh, so that meant that the he would uh, the belt would be vacated going into the fight on Saturday night. Oliver could not win it. Gaethje could however if Oliveira won the fight he would become the number one contender for the vacant lightweight championship uh and Oliveira as I, predict, I predicted and I said on Twitter you know I, I said it Oliveira last week and I posted on Twitter I'm sticking with Oliveira because why chaos mm-hmm. uh this could have been real simple and easy if Gaethje just won win the belt figure out who your next opponent is and go on for there but I went uh-uh this is UFC chaos is gonna ensue Uh, And I was right, uh, with Charles Oliveira defeating Justin Gaethje uh, via rear naked choke submission three minutes and 22 seconds into the first round.
0: Well, a few thoughts here. One, Dana came out at the end and said that they're now going to have to really watch about the scale issue. Mm -hmm. And he did throw out a theory that it makes sense to me. Okay. And was saying that you have so many fighters coming in that do kilos compared to pounds. Sure. And he said that something might got... Hit with a scale.
1: Well, and the and the one I heard or the way I've read was that fighters were weighing themselves yes. the night prior. And it wasn't kilos or pounds. They were weighing themselves and they were looking at it and they're going, okay, we're good or we're close or like by, by game time, we'll be good. But then it, uh, several fighters told various outlets that it was said overnight the scale got reset. Mm-hmm. So that screwed with the scale. So all of a sudden, guys and girls who were coming in at weight, just about weight, or looking at it going, they were either a half a pound or as many as two pounds overweight, and they went, holy fuck.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to just say this about the weight gate. I'm putting an asterisk by it. Sure. I don't really think it's as... I. It is bad, but it's not as bad because of the outcome.
1: It's an issue, but it, at the same token, This is your job. You are supposed to show up at weight. There should be no issue, and you shouldn't need to do the towel of shame come weight time. You should be there.
0: I I, I fully agree with you about that, but if the scale tampering was going on, and as we've heard multiple reports that there was. I don't want to say tampering is like it was getting fixed. Right, right. But obviously when people messing around with the scales, and if it got reset, that will throw something off, especially for half a pound. I agree with you. So that's why I'm saying, like, as far as that's concerned, Dana's going to do the proper thing. The UFC is going to do the proper thing and have somebody watch the scales. I wish they would go to digital, to be honest with that you. That makes sense. It would be a lot easier, Yeah. But and that might still happen from this. But once we get to the fight, Justin Gaethje obviously on a roll and came in there looking to do some damage, obviously defeating Michael Chandler. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. Charles Oliveira, though, has been carving out a very, very – distinct resume as of late that if everybody wasn't sold on how good he was, you got sold on it Saturday night. Mm-hmm. After withstanding Gaethje knocking him down, Oliveira came back, clipped him, and definitely put on one of his slick submission holds. Oh, yeah. And you don't realize about how good he's evolving. No. And that's something that he he's getting better as time is going on. And it's scary because, as you've seen Oliveira fights over the years, he is just elevating his game so much at this level right now. Oh, it's frightening! It's frightening. Like I know that there's a lot of people that are really jumping on the bandwagon, screaming he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. I think people need to kind of temper the expectations right now. Slow down. But I will say this: ever since he's gotten the opportunity to fight for the belt, because remember he was in that Aljamain Sterling, you know group. Yeah that wasn't getting those shots, but he had to put together a, a huge win streak that you couldn't deny him. Now Oliveira is there. He defeats Justin Gaethje, and like I say, using strikes and submissions. I mean, it was a well-rounded win.
1: Well, as soon as he, like we were watching the fight, as soon as he took him down and got the, he got the rear naked choke started. wasn't cinched in yet, but once he got it started, I sat there. I'm like, oh, it's over.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's no question. I mean, he's he's that good when he goes to the ground, and for being only 32 years old, he still has a lot of years left that he oh, yeah. can still fight at an elite level. So the question became, okay, he wins the belt. Where do you go from here? It's very simple in my eyes mm-hmm. that he fights Machaev. That makes all the sense to me. he That's the next guy. I understand that he was saying, I'll fight whoever, and I know that technically he's not the champion right now, but he's guaranteed the next title shot. So there's no question of that. So the way I treat it, He's still the champion until further notice. Well,
1: and especially, I mean, you just look at the rankings. Oliver is currently the number one ranked fighter in the lightweight division. Uh, he, number two is Dustin Poirier. Number three is Justin Gaethje. I'm looking at Oliver's record. Uh, he has beaten both of those men in his last two fights. Yeah. So that's not a case of, oh, he's, he faced them, but it was like five, six years ago, and they're different fighters. Like, no, he's literally faced them within the last
0: calendar year. Yeah, exactly. So you can't, you can't take anything away from him. Like, he's the king of the lightweights right now. So I think that... The easy money fight to make, not the easy money fight, yeah. is him and Macheev. I understand, though, I think they're going to do Machaev and, and Darush. Maybe. Which, okay, I I get. I don't like it because I think Machev should have gotten the fight. And I know online, a lot of people are saying, this is the closest we're going to get to Tony Ferguson versus Habib. I'm not doubting that yeah. if, after anyway. this performance. This is the closest we are going to see to it, and I think that they'd be smart to make that fight. But I'm not sure exactly if that shapes up that way. Because there's only one other fight they can make for Oliveira. And no, it's not Conor McGregor. <laughs> I, like, I I was getting hit up on Twitter about this. I'm going to tell you right now, very politely. There's no way they're going to do Conor at 155 to get the belt and leapfrog over everybody. No. <laughs> Especially not Dustin Poirier. I'll tell you that right now. The fight that could happen, though, for Oliveira that nobody's really thinking about... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's on my mind, Alexander Volkanovsky moves up and Dana said he would get an instant title shot. I'd be all right with that. I'm perfectly fine with that.
1: That'd be, that'd be good.
0: If you're not going to give it to Machev, And like I said, if you're going to have him fight the I get it. Um, Do, but do I think Michaev is definitely worthy of the title shot? Absolutely. I don't think he should have to do it, but I think that if Oliveira and Machev is not made, that's the only other fight you can make that makes sense. And then if Machev beats Derusha, you have to give him the belt shot. I don't, you can't skip it any other way. I I just don't see how it goes. That's easy money for me to make. As for Justin Gaethje, man, I don't exactly know where you go from here. Except maybe you go and, and do Poirier again.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: I mean, that's the only fight that makes sense to me. I mean, maybe Chandler. Well, he just fought Chandler, so uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the situation. Like, I'm taking Chandler out of this division right now. Just because the idea of him and Connor makes sense, but I think if you do Poirier, that's the fight to do at that weight class. And then if Gaethje wins, I mean, Gaethje is still top five. Yeah. Like, like, let's not write him off for this. He still can get back in there and get another title shot. That just proves how deep this division is. But the thing you have to watch is Machaev has got to be in that discussion. Derouge has got to be in that discussion. There's a lot of guys that are coming up that you got to keep your eye on too. I mean, this is the most stacked division in all of MMA. Mm-hmm. Not just the UFC, all of MMA. So, whoever is the king of this division, you have to say, is arguably the pound for pound guy. You'd have to say, yeah. Arguably. I mean, it goes there with Kamaru Usman. Like, I think, in my opinion, he's the guy. I know Asanya's in that talk, too. Oh, but, yeah. But you have to give credit to where credit is due. Charles Oliveira has been making this amazing legacy for himself. And you can't take anything away from him about this. And I understand the weight thing, yeah, is a bad issue, but if there is enough evidence where you can go, all right, if the scales did get reset, right, then, okay, can you really blame him if he came in half a pound and go from there? I, I struggle with that just because if multiple people were having the issue, and we have heard multiple people were. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you have to consider that as well.
1: I mean, that's just my thing. though. Like, I get his grief, uh, gripe, and I and I understand and I agree with like, yeah, it's, it's kind of bullshit. But at the same token, rules are
2: rules. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even
1: da- even Dana said, hey, listen, it sucks, but rules are rules. And like I said, it sucks and it's kind of a bullshit thing. But at the same token, you are paid to fight at a certain weight class. You are expected to show up at weight for that weight class. You know, you work a nine to five job. You are expected to show up at your job at nine o'clock. You don't show up to that job when it fits your needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with the fight. Like it sucks, it's bullshit, but like hey, you're paid to fight at that weight. It is what it is.
0: Yeah, see, I I just think in my mind and I get your opinion. I'm not disputing that. But for me, it's like I think he came in at weight and I just think those skills were off. Yeah. That's the thing. He I don't really remember him having a weight see, issue.
1: See, I think it, it he might have come in close to it mm-hmm. or like right above it and then it came in and we're like, "Oh shit." Like or like You know, thought he was good. Like, oh, hey, you know what? Why don't I have that one little thing at night, you know, that won't hurt me all that much? And then, oh, fuck, wait a
0: minute. It's tough. It's really tough to see. Because, like I say, I think he came in thinking everything was good, and then the scales got reset, and then that's a different story. But I think overall it's not going to hurt him because he's still going to be in that title shot. And I think had he, he had the belt on the line, so to speak, he still retains and he fights whoever's next. And the easy fight is he fights Machev. But the Volkanovski one, don't doubt that happens. Mm-hmm. Especially if Volkanovski runs through Max Holloway, which I think is going to happen again. And Because and, 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 at that stage, there's nothing for Volkanovski left at 145. Absolutely nothing. He needs to go at 155. Man, a lot of storylines coming out of the UFC 274 card. We gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. What's your takeaway from Saturday night's action in the Octagon? Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little bit about pro wrestling. Such good shit. So this past Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to all our mothers in the ODPH society, we had a WWE premium event. Yeah. We can't say pay-per-view anymore. Listen, the the, uh,
1: head of the table, the tribal chief is there, so it is a premium event.
0: Yeah, speak on iPad. So this past Sunday... Charles Barkley acknowledges him a lot of people acknowledge just him, saying. as we'll you should look up the footage as you definitely should. We had WrestleMania Backlash Can we taking place. just call place. it Backlash, please. We should because let's face it it's just the reset of WrestleMania. Yeah. I understand they like to put the WrestleMania in front of it to think that it's got some sizzle with it.
1: Or I th- I think it's just like a marketing ploy just to kind of sell some more tickets or maybe you know put some more eyes on it with like oh WrestleMania what's that about?
0: Well it definitely is because Backlash has always been A, how do I put this nicely? Slightly forgettable. Yeah. I don't don't, want
1: to say bad, but like you can, like in the history of this, this card or or this show, like when you get to the end of the year and you're remembering great matches or great cards, probably 75% of the time I'll say, you know, I'll be, I'll be generous. You know, I'll be conservative. You might not remember matches from this card.
0: Right. In general. But this year might be the exception because coming off the heels of a very successful WrestleMania, we have a very solid night of pro wrestling to yeah. get, which is a surprise because like we touched upon, backlash is always forgotten. But yet, Mm -hmm. the in-ring work of this show definitely stands out. So, Pad's in the studio ready to talk about it, so let's get into it.
1: Yeah, so, of course, this took place from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island uh, this past Sunday, as we mentioned. Uh, And the card opened, opened, mind you, uh, with Cody Rhodes taking on Seth Freakin' Rollins. Hell of a match. Uh, Cody Rhodes emerged victorious, pinning Seth Rollins in 20 minutes and 45 seconds. Raw last night, it looks like they might be done. I don't know, you know, because uh, Seth tried a ro- uh, roll-up win while pulling the tights. Cody reversed it and got a roll-up win of his own while pulling the tights. May not be done. Maybe done. We'll see. Time will tell. Hell in a Cell is the next pay-per-view. So, they could... listen, this is my new Fight Forever match. Like, these guys could fight every pay-per-view, and I would not get upset seeing it.
0: Two of the best in the business going at it yet again. You couldn't ask for anything better to open this show with. Honestly. The Rhodes Lander came out, looked phenomenal, and Seth Rollins is one of the best in the world. Uh Uh-huh. So what else could you ask for other than an instant classic between these two? I agree with you. I don't know if this is done or not. I think this could be the Hell in a Cell match. Could be. I think it's a lot to ask of Cody right away, but I could also see it happening because... Looking at who else is having feuds right now, there's only a couple others that I could see maybe going in the cage. Yeah, but it would make a lot of sense if they want to do Cody and Seth in there because mm-hmm. all signs are pointing for the Rose Lander to have the summer he'll never forget by winning Money in the Bank. That's yeah. my early prediction. Well, oh, that's and my l- prediction. Unless he's not on in that match for whatever reason, like it's his to lose. So if, uh, if he
1: doesn't win Money in the Bank, pencil him. No shit, I'll say. It pen him in to win the rumble oh yeah if he doesn't win money in the bank pen that man in to win the
0: rumble yeah no i'll qu- qu- call it now no question about that but excellent match to open the show up yeah. uh you couldn't ask for anything better from this
1: no uh next up was a matchup between bobby lashley and almost of course with mvp in almost corner uh and you had almost emerge victorious, pinning bobby lashley in eight minutes and 50 seconds and i gotta say was not excited to see this match going into it
0: wasn't bad it, w- it was good it wasn't as bad as people thought it was going to be. And I think you have to give credit to almost. He's getting better. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet. Yeah. Like, I think he's not ready for primetime just yet. No. But he's improving every time I see him in the ring. And so. M-
1: MVP's helping a
0: lot. Too. Oh, absolutely. Because
1: yeah. you had that moment where M- or uh, Lashley had almost, almost like pinned, not necessarily pinned, but like up against cor- one of the ring corners. You know, and, and MVP's like, wait a minute, being the ring physician or ring uh, strategist he is, goes, wait a minute, back up in the corner, back up in the corner, back up in the corner, almost backed up in the corner with Lashley behind him, and that forced the five-count break. Yeah. It, that was great work between the two of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. MVP is working with him. He can definitely show the growth in his character. So. I'm excited to see where he's going to go from here. I don't know if they'll continue the feud, but I wouldn't doubt it as well. Uh,
1: I think they are to a certain extent because I know they said on Raw last night that it's going to be the two of them in a steel cage match next Monday.
0: Okay, well, that should sign it off then. And I'm okay with that. If they're going to do that for a main event on Raw, uh, pending if 607TWS is done, I might actually tune in and watch that. Mm. Maybe. Well watch it live, I should say.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up was a match I was certainly looking forward to. Uh, it was Edge t- uh, taking on AJ Styles. And, of course, given the events uh, of the last couple of weeks, uh, Damian Priest was banned from ringside. Uh, and you had Edge uh, emerge victorious submitting AJ Styles. Although a couple of things in the match we got to know. Mm-hmm. Edge's new theme music. Holy shit. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, starts off with Edge going, you think you know me. Pause. Mm-hmm. You never did. Oh, my god that's amazing
0: yeah they did a really Holy good job shit, with his, that was uh, great his new entrance now. uh
1: and great framing on the cameraman's part because the Titantron does not have his name there it is a giant uh pair of purple like angel wings looking things mm-hmm. perfectly framed it so that they are like right behind him where they would be if you've ever seen a painting of an angel great camera work I gotta say uh but then during the match uh, I was going back and forth you did have Damien priest come out didn't come all the way down. He was I believe they called it the rampway was how they described it on the broadcast. Yes. He was down the ramp, but right before you get to the metal from the metal onto like the the whatever that material is on the ground. You know, so he's standing and they're like, wait a minute, he's not supposed to be here. And, and Corey Grace went ah, he's not in the ringside, he's on the rampway. Finn Balor came out, attack priest, they start rolling around in I thought it was going to be like a DQ of some way, call the match and lead to something else. Was not the case. They rolled out. Uh but in the rest distraction. That allowed somebody to appear at ringside and uh, cause a bit of interference. Hmm. Who? Uh, So this was a masked figure. They then interfered. Uh... (laughs) Took AJ off the top rope and knocked him down. Allowed Edge to get the submission win, uh, and then Edge was standing in the ring. The masked figure came into the ring, pulled off the mask, and got to give you credit because I know you called this. It is Rhea Ripley now joining. Let's go now joining the Judgment Day. Although I'm I'm with several people I've read online today and last night. Can we drop the the out of the name? Like just call. Them, I do just call him <laughs> Judgment Day. I know it's the because like you look at the graphic whenever they when they came out on Raw last night. The mm. Judgment Day like. Judgment Day works fine. Thank you.
0: I think it's a problem because it could be a copyright thing they have with their own pay-per-view. Maybe. So, I mean, even though it should be an easy thing because the same company, like that was the only thing i think of because I can't stand the in front of it. But this is perfect for Rhea Ripley. I'm f- so freaking excited about this mm-hmm. because this fits her character perfectly uh-huh. and definitely gives a new dynamic to Edge having his own faction again. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, though, this match, listen, you got two of the best in the world doing it. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, they could not have done better pairings for three of these matches than they did. Mm-hmm. AJ and Edge are always going to put on quality work. In fact, you can definitely tell Edge is very excited to work with oh, AJ. I think he loves working with him. Because you can tell in the ring, like, he's uh-huh. kind of breaking a little bit, smiling as much. Uh-huh. And AJ, too. Uh-huh. And that's the thing. When you have somebody that is arguably the best in the world. And, like, AJ Styles is in that conversation. Him and Absolutely. Okada are, like, my one-two right now. They, He is definitely enjoying this. He's definitely taking a lot more risks than I think he usually would in a, pro, in a program. Yep. And I think that it's paying off in dividends. And I'm going to say this. I think that this feud might end up in Hell in a Cell. It would be a better fit, I think, with all the outside interference they've had. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see what these two could do inside a cage.
1: I think they will have a match inside Hell in a Cell, but I don't think that'll be a payoff. I don't think that'll be the final match. I think the final match is going to be at SummerSlam. And I think they're setting up for it because you had uh, last night Edge, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest came out. Hell of an entrance, i got to say. You had them all come out one at a time while the music was playing. Great job on their part. Mm. Uh, But you did have a match last night between uh, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. Uh, Rhea Ripley submitted Liv Morgan, although, of course, because Heal Things didn't give up the the submission despite Liv continuing to attack. Uh, And what happened then? Finn Balor's music hit, and he came out, but he wasn't rushing to the ring. He came out doing his usual, you know, all the two-sweet hands up in the air with all the music, and then he paused, and AJ Styles' music hit. And AJ Styles came out doing his usual entrance, two-sweeted Finn, then they ran to the ring. Obviously, they and then uh, after that, you had a match between Finn Balor and Damian Priest, but where I think they're going, and I think I might be partially right, although didn't factor in another bar, uh, party taking place, I think for SummerSlam, we will get a six-man tag match with Edge, Damien Priest, and Rhea Ripley taking on Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan. Fucking give it to me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for oh that. Oh, my God. I think that's another thing why AJ is so happy with this feud is he gets to work with Finn.
1: Uh, which hasn't happened in their entire run in WWE. Yeah, other Astonishingly. than one match.
0: Other than one match. They
1: had one match, but they've never teamed together.
0: Right. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that AJ is definitely doing differently for this. Like, he just seems to have a different pep in the step uh-huh. for this feud. Uh-huh. And I think that they want to keep this going as long as they can. I could definitely see that match happening that you mentioned, Pad. Yeah. The only thing is going to SummerSlam is to August. True. So if they could stretch it out, but that's... True. Not unheard of, but I would say you might see that match in Money in the Bank.
1: That could be because that's at Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play.
0: Yeah, I think that that one's going to have that big fight feel to it, so I wouldn't doubt that that happens there. But great match, though, overall. Like yeah. These two are putting on some great in-ring work, though.
1: Uh, next up was the matchup for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship where you had Charlotte Flair defending her belt against Ronda Rousey in an I Quit match. Uh, and you had Ronda Rousey emerge victorious submitting Charlotte Flair in 16 minutes and 35 seconds.
0: Okay, so this match lived up to the brutality of an I Quit match. I would say it was surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, no, this was a great match uh, yeah. produced by Molly Holly. Yeah, which, I mean, she's been doing some really solid work. And this one, Ronda, the only thing that seemed like it was off with her a little bit was there was that chair spot with the shoulder for the armbar. That's the only takeaway I'm going to say negative about Ronda in this match. I thought that the timing was off when she went for the armbar, but the trash talk that they were having during this I thought was really cool. Oh, God, yeah. And I think it adds a different element to it. And obviously this one was probably the easiest lock of the week Mm -hmm. concerning this card because Mm -hmm. there's no way that... Ronda was taken back-to-back L's at pay-per-views, especially in the no, I-quit match. No, like, that no. was not happening. No, this
1: this match was great. It was hard-hitting. It was brutal. Thought they were almost going to uh, run through the back and go run around that, but they didn't. Um, but no, the the one point of this match I loved the most was when Ronda had Charlotte in an almost arm bar. Like, it wasn't a full-blown mm-hmm. arm bar, but it was like a partial. And and Ronda wanted the ref to ask, and she goes, oh, do you submit? No. And the mic from the ref was close enough that it picked up Ronda going, I'd hope you say that, bitch. Yeah. And she twisted her arm further, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing you got to give Ronda credit for is since she's been back, and I mean, obviously, she's a very polarizing figure with fans. Yeah. It really seems that working with Charlotte on this level has kind of warmed her up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. To, like, jumping in character and and really kind of developing that persona of her game. Mm Mm-hmm. So I comments like that I think really help because before I think she would just come in and live off the mystique of the UFC. Yeah. Well, hey,
1: look, I'm Ronda Rousey. I'm happy to be here. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think now you're seeing a little different side to her, and I think it works out perfectly. So, oh, absolutely. I'm excited about that.
1: Uh, next up was your co-main event of the evening, uh, and this was between Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. And you had Madcap Moss emerge victorious, pinning Happy Corbin in nine minutes and fifty seconds.
0: I love you, said co-main. That's awesome for the one and only Madcap Moss. No, this match, to be honest with you, was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I've never been huge on Mad Cab Moss, Riddick Moss, whatever you want to call him in. No, no. But I will say this. I thought that this was probably the best match I've seen him in. I thought he really showcased some skills. I thought that he looked... Like, maybe I'm starting to see what everybody is saying. He's got all this potential in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I, I wasn't a super big fan of was the one with the sunset flip, but it's yeah. it, but it's not the worst. Yeah. But I will say that with Corbin working with him, and Corbin is just such a great dance partner, too, in the ring. Mm-hmm. He makes everybody look good. Like, if everybody's wondering... In my opinion, he's like the new Kane. Okay. Like he works with everybody on the roster okay. and he makes everybody look better. I can see that. Yeah, I think that this was a perfect thing if you're going to send this kid into the upper echelon of the card. Not saying main event. Right. But if but bump Ma- him up a little bit. But if Moss is gonna be the guy that you wanna give a shot to with like being US champ or you yeah. know, intercontinental this was a good way to kind of showcase that off a little bit. He's got to get a new gimmick, though. Like, I don't care. Oh, my God, yeah, please. You know, to be honest with you, I think a perfect one is put him with Edge's Faction. Oh, maybe. You know, I know everybody's kind of saying Balor or Ali or or uh, Ciampa. Man, if you throw him with, with Moss, and granted, I know it would be a weird kind of booking, but I think if he's under that tutelage, mm-hmm. the amount of stuff he could learn, I think, would do really, I really the, well.
1: Isn't, I think the only issue with that would be, isn't he on SmackDown? I think, I think that might be the only issue. He might be on SmackDown, so I could throw a wrench into things.
0: Oh, well, that's true. I mean, but they could always do trades. I mean, yeah. I think as long they as... Did, they
1: did just switch Lacey Evans. So Lacey Evans, according to reports, is now on Raw instead of SmackDown. So.
0: Oh, interesting there. Yeah. Yeah, but this match, though, overall, though, I, I thought
1: it was pretty good. You for, uh, for what I saw, it was all right. I got to admit, this was the match I cared the least about. So, like, I had some uh, housekeeping stuff to take care of, garbage and recycling. So I chose to do that uh, while part of this match was going on. So for what I saw, it was all right. You know, like I said... I I dug the hell out of the the sad Corbin stuff just because that was amusing to me and like but like I've not really cared about him or Mad Cat Moss since they've kind of paired up together like I'm like I get it but it, you know not my cup of tea but mm. uh, before I saw it, it was all right
0: yeah definitely a lot better than I thought it was gonna look yeah to say the least. But the match, though, that got a lot of people talking, and rightfully so, is the main event.
1: Yeah, so this was a six-person tag match between the Bloodline, that being the Uso Brothers, and Roman Reigns, uh, taking on Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Riddle. Uh, And you had the Bloodline emerge victorious, winning via pinfall in 22 minutes and 20 seconds.
0: I have to agree with Dave Meltzer about this, to paraphrase. Mm -hmm. This felt like a PWG match. Okay. In all honesty, this felt super indie. And I'm not meaning this in any negative sense of the word. I thought that these six individuals really went above and beyond Mm -hmm. what was expected for this. Mm -hmm. Because, let's face it, as we've already stated, Backlash is a throwaway pay-per-view. It's basically a glorified house show. Pretty Pretty much. But these six guys really went in there and tore the roof off the place, taking a lot of wild spots. Definitely, it, it just felt super Indian and such a different breath of fresh air from right. what we see normally on WWE programming. I was super excited about this. Like, when I'm watching this, I'm like, wow, they're really going at it. And the crowd was super, super into it from bell to bell. Right, And, that, I- and that's something, too, you want from your live show.
1: I still have to watch it, uh, just because I peek behind the curtain. <laughs> Saturday I had gotten up at seven thirty, worked nine to five thirty, uh, and then was with my girlfriend for part of the, that evening and then was over here watching uh, UFC. Did not get home so I was up at seven thirty AM Saturday, did not get to bed until two thirty on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh f- slept for four hours, woke up at six thirty to work uh eight to four thirty. And then from immediately left there to go out to dinner and uh, slash birthday stuff for my, my mother's day. And then it was my grandmother's birthday on Sunday. So then I got home at a little after 8 o'clock. So at this point, I had been up for like 20, so like however many hours in the last two days. And I'd slept for like four of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I hit this point in the match. Like I'd, I'd seen everything else, but I hit... This point in the match, and I remember the en- I remember the entrances happen. I, I, you know I think I fell asleep some point between the the uh, bloodline's entrance and then the other guy's entrance, and I fell asleep until the end of the match just because exhaustion hit me like a wall uh, so I got to actually go back and watch this match I've heard nothing but
0: good things though, so I'm excited to see it. it's incredible. No you, would, you wouldn't think that from these guys because I mean you're so used to seeing the WWE style uh-huh and like I say, I, j- I can't stress it enough. it felt super indie. It really felt like PWG, which, right. is, which is weird to say in comparison because normally that is something that we don't see in a WWE ring. They try to avoid it. They do. They definitely do, but this felt it. Uh, Roman Reigns was going after Riddle pretty hard in this match.
1: Yeah, and I, love the, I did see the video the next day that Roman put out on social media about how he's in the gym and all this, is what the GOATs do. He goes, that was definitely a fire match. He goes, you had a bunch of Hall of Famers in that ring for that match. Oh, Riddle was there, too.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I and Who knows? That might be a program they're thinking about running. Maybe. There's a lot of speculation going on with the future of Roman Reigns, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get why, but Christ, think about
0: it. Yeah, it was, the rumors were breaking out that he cut a heel promo saying that this was going to be, uh, to paraphrase a little bit, the fond farewell in Trenton, New Jersey at a house show. Yep. Uh, we would come to find out that he has re-upped with WWE, uh, so... For anybody that was thinking he was leaving the company for AEW, Impact, name anywhere else that does professional wrestling. Stay off drugs. Seriously, folks. There was no chance that Vince McMahon, who had the best financial year in history... Making billions of dollars, billions of dollars, billions of dollars, was going to let the number one draw in his company walk out the door.
1: And according to reports, he is the number one merch seller of all time in that
0: company. Yeah, no, he's grown like ever according since. According
1: to reports, he sells more merch in that company than anybody.
0: Yeah, than John Cena. Yeah. Like it's crazy to think, but it goes to show when you finally let somebody evolve the character. And granted, Vince has an idea of what the audience wants, he always has. But this is a situation that everything worked out in Roman's favor. He's elevated his star status. Mm-hmm. I know there's rumors that he's taking time off this summer. And, and for anybody that thinks the sky is going to fall in WWE, look.
1: Well, I mean, the whole time off thing depends on who you who you read. You've got Dave Meltzer saying one thing and Sean Ross Sapp saying another thing. So who's got the better sources?
0: Well, exactly. And But at the end of the day, it comes down to this. WWE is a brand. Uh-huh. So if Roman's not there. Next man up. It's next man up or next woman up. Yeah. So they'll be fine. They've they've had this happen before. I mean, look at just some of the greats they've had over the years that have left
1: for one reason or another. And they've had somebody else there to fill in the shoes.
0: Yeah. They're going to be perfectly fine. And as much as people don't watch NXT, they have a couple breakout stars down there that they could call up. Braun Breaker is one. Oh God, that's a matter of time. And I'm already going to say this: when she returns to the main roster, Mandy Rose is going to be on a different level. And don't
1: forget, Bailey's still waiting in the wings mm-hmm. too.
0: Yeah, they're loaded, so it's not to say that the sky is falling for WWE if Roman decides to leave.
1: Say Bailey, according to reports, was supposed to come back sometime after WrestleMania, and well, we're about a month after WrestleMania, so we're in that window.
0: I'll show you back at uh, Hell in a Cell, probably. She no, she'll come back for a big crowd. Like I,
1: I think she might be Ronda's next opponent, seeing as they, uh, Charlotte, it appears to have been written off TV. I think the reason they've given was a fractured wrist. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, but you really don't have much in terms of opponents on SmackDown. So I think, uh, as I mentioned, with Lacey Evans going to Raw, I think Bailey might end up on SmackDown to face Ronda.
0: Great fit there too. I'd be perfectly alright with that. But it goes to show of how WWE can just really elevate some status. I mean, who would have thought at this stage, Matt Riddle's in a main event program? Yeah, that, that
1: wouldn't have guessed that quite yet. some point, yes. Yeah, now, he,
0: now, no. He's talented enough, but obviously with, you know, he's a different kind of character. But once you fit him in the right role, he works. And him and Randy Orton, I mean, I'm not the biggest RKO bro fan. I've said this many times. They're all right. I get it. I don't like it, but it's but it's my own cup of Java. But you know what?
1: They're they're tandem finishers. Like you know when they when Riddle will hoist a guy up and then Randy goes for the RKO. Like that's cool.
0: Yeah, like they do some good things. Yeah. Like, like I said, they're not my favorite tag team, but you know what? They make a lot of people happy, and that's what matters. But for me, I don't really watch them too much, so I'm okay with this. But it goes back to show that you put them in the, the times to shine, like on a throwaway pay per view or premium event or whatever, mm-hmm, whatever one it is. Mm-hmm. And look what they can do. And this is why WWE will be fine. Yeah,
1: they'll be fine. I mean, just, I'll give you a better one. I know I asked, you know, about, I brought up the point about, like, guys leaving, guys guys, and girls stepping to fill the shoes. Name me a time when one of their big stars, male or female, left, and there was a void for multiple months. I'm not talking, like, weeks or a couple days or, you know, but for multiple months. They didn't have somebody there ready to go.
0: Um, That's a good question. I think they've been pretty much ready to go. Like yeah. They might have misfired on the, sure. the person directly, but, sure. but they've been ready to go. I mean, I think uh, in in a weird circumstance, Roman Reigns when uh, John Cena left. Yeah. I th- but I think yeah. that he wasn't ready. And, and I know that John even cut that promo on him saying, like, I had to come back because you're not ready. Right. But it's a situation of they've had their person in mind. Yeah. So... Their divisions are fine. Like And and I think that even though it wasn't Roman's time then, it's, it's definitely his time now. They'll be fine. And they're coming off a strong pay-per-view that, I mean, honestly, everybody thought was a throwaway. How crazy is that? Crazy. But they re-upped Roman. Things are looking good for WWE. Love it or hate it. But... Yeah,
1: I never expected Roman to leave. I think I think if anything, I expected Roman maybe not necessarily go full Hollywood, but like, do a Netflix show, do an Amazon show, do maybe do some television or like, do, like, not like a uh, cable television show, but do like a streaming service show, mm-hmm. do something like that, you know, through any of the various connections WWE has, you know, I never expected him at any point, you know, to leave WWE. That dude's a lifer. He's making more money than I know what to do with, you know, he's, he's in a good place. Vince loves him. He's not going to give that
0: up. He's not going to give it up, and I think the one thing that we'll close out on this note with. WWE is pop culture. Mm -hmm. So whether you love it or you hate it, it's the brand everybody knows. Casual fans know WWE more so than you say AEW. Think of the NFL
1: draft. You had Titus O'Neil... The Miz, and there was a third person. I forget who it was at the NFL Draft. Mm-hmm. to. Oh, uh, Baron Corbin. Yeah. Baron Corbin at the NFL Draft to announce picks for their favorite teams.
0: Yeah. And this is not a shot against AEW. I want to stress this. But WWE is the established brand. Right. It's pop culture. as Coca-Cola and you know McDonald's and all yeah. the brands that you know. Yeah. They'll keep it moving. And I think that now, as their brand is growing more avenues are opening up for their talent. Mm -hmm. As you're seeing, more wrestlers are appearing on TV shows. More wrestlers are appearing in movies. The Rock has his
1: own television show based on his life. Like, If you'd have told me that, I'm not even going to say when he was wrestling, if you'd have told me that, five ten years ago i would have said you're nuts yeah
0: i mean it's just it goes to show about how much they've become so immersed in pop culture
1: and it, and it's not just a show about like oh this is his life and here like we're just going to kind of gloss over the wrestling aspect and and get to the the movie making like no they're they're going in depth on some of the wrestling stuff
0: yeah but this is where the audience is, le- is learning about it and it's a win for everybody too because as much as people are watching just wwe This might be something for a fan to go, okay, I'm flipping through the channels on Wednesday night. Oh, this kind of looks like WWE, but it's not. Let me give this a watch. And then they become AEW fans. It works out for everybody.
1: And then they get confused what time the show's on because they keep flipping it around.
0: Well, that's just Rampage. (laughs) I know. That's a whole different ball of wax right there. But overall, though, WWE had a great weekend going right into Monday Night Raw. Yeah. SmackDown is looking very interesting too. AEW's got some things going on for Dynamite this week that we know of. Casey's got some explaining to do on NXT. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan, folks. So if you're not into it, you need to get into it. Easiest place to do is jump into it on 607 TWS every Monday night, 8 p.m. on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. On the OD Page Podcast blog section, parlay points from blogs count anywhere. Come there. Once we get the proper uh material to use the blogs uh we'll definitely be coming back with that uh there's a how do we put it pad reasons it hasn't been up in a couple weeks but it's gonna be coming back but as always you just want to turn it into the odph podcast and we talk everything pro wrestling with you so hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph pod wwe had a great weekend let's talk about it we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back you know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie where we ask, Are you game for a movie? Tell me, Audrey. There's no special
2: features on that goddamn DVD, alright? Oh, wow. For it, Hansel for, and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel? You have a DVD. Of yeah. And
1: she basically has sex with it, somehow. Uh, foreplay? Yeah. Yes. She's, fore, she's
2: chair foreplay. They, I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. Oh! Oh! <laughs>
0: Yes. I mean I wouldn't
2: be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But you know, you would, it's has like, one. right. It has one? You,
0: you would have three one. lines of dialogue.
2: No, she has more than three. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm actually gonna get like I actually
0: get like I
1: earn my 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 four sentences of dialogue rather
0: than like
2: here, on a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp.
1: Mm. Anyway, we're not an
2: Phoenix, too. Uh, so, no, so no. No. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her fighting Detective ex-detective Phillips' dick.
0: Okay. But we don't okay. the I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, not following the arrangement <laughs> them very well.
2: For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated
0: dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome.
2: (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad, what you got?
1: Got to talk a little local minute. I uh, won't go to the record because yikes, but we got to talk uh, some Binghamton Rumble Ponies uh, news. Uh, looking at their schedule from uh, this past week, uh, they won their game on Tuesday. This is their series against the Hartford Yard Goats. <clears throat> they won their game on Tuesday, uh, the uh, May the third, uh, by the final score of four to two. Lost their game on Wednesday by the final score of two to three, lost again on Thursday three to five, and then lost again on Friday, uh, four, lost four to nothing. Uh, lost on, or excuse me, they won on Saturday, April, uh, May the seventh, uh, five to four, and then lost on Sunday by the final score of seven to two. Uh, they are now on a one, two, three, four, five, six game road trip playing New Hampshire. Uh, they had an early morning game this morning, uh, winning by the final score of two to one. Uh, they are playing the rest of those games in new hampshire they do return home uh the following week uh may 17th for a six game series uh against uh, akron should note that uh the tuesday may 17th game is baseball and education day uh so that game is taking place at 11 a.m eastern for the kids. All uh, right. For the kids, going to be a lot of kids at the stadium, I imagine. Uh, should note also, uh, tw- uh, May 20th is Girl Scouts night. So if you've got a Girl Scout in the family, be able to take her to that night. Very cool. Uh, but for more tickets, information, and times, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Uh, switching over to some football news, because I'm talking about this, not because uh, he wants quarterback for my team and led them to six Super Bowls, but because, holy fucking shit, this is insane.
0: Yeah, this is fucking wild.
1: Uh, so it was reported this morning uh, via various sources Uh, That Tom Brady, once his career is done, if his career is ever done, uh, will be joining Fox Sports as its lead NFL analyst uh, when his playing career ends. Reading from an article on ESPN.com, Fox did not disclose terms of Brady's deal, but the New York Post reported that the seven-time Super Bowl winning quarterback has agreed to a 10-year, $375 million contract, the most lucrative in sports broadcasting history. Fox CEO uh, Lachlan Murdoch announced the news Tuesday during a corporate investor call. Brady will call games alongside lead play-by-play announcer Kevin Burkhart and will work as an ambassador for Fox with uh, a focus on client and promotional innovatives. Uh, Quote, we are delighted that Tom has committed to joining the Fox team and wish him all the best during this upcoming season, Murdoch said. Brady tweeted that he's excited to eventually join Fox, but noted he still has uh, unfinished business as a player. Uh, He tweeted, quote, excited, but a lot of unfinished business on the field with the at Buccaneers, hashtag LFG. Uh, So Brady Brady really hates his kids, don't he?
0: Yeah, he does. Uh, (laughs) Allegedly, allegedly.
1: Allegedly, allegedly. uh, The dude spent all of, what was it, like six weeks retired? Yep. Six weeks retired, came out of retirement to play in the NFL, hasn't even taken a snap post retirement yeah on retirement he's like i'm out and he's already got his job lined up for when that happens what's going to happen first fox sports goes out of business or brady retires place your bets folks uh but yeah this does this like we mentioned this was reported by andrew marchand and some of the folks over at the new york post uh for the deals uh it blows the water out of any of the any of the other deals uh andrew marchand which i'd highly recommend if you're into like sports media and some of the behind the scenes stuff give him a follow on twitter uh, he wrote in his article, quote, it is the largest contract in sports casting history as it more than doubles both CBS's Tony Romo and ESPN's Troy Aikman in average annual salary of $18 million per season. Uh, so makes sense. I mean, they lost Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh, to ESPN need somebody to fill the role bros obviously somebody will be joining burkhart whoever it is they haven't announced their crews yet this year but somebody will be filling it up uh filling basically filling the spot until uh brady retires which who knows when that'll be could be next year could be the after could be by the time i'm collecting uh social security we'll see Smart move by Fox.
0: Oh, absolutely. Brady is arguably the biggest name they could land. Oh, easily. To catch up uh, to the Tony Romo's and the Manning cast.
1: I mean, there was rumors that Drew Brees was going to lose NBC, lose, leave NBC to go to Fox, but I eh, who knows?
0: I don't think that was ever going to happen. I think that he's very comfortable there right yeah. now. And you can definitely tell he's got that camaraderie going. Oh, yeah, and, uh,
1: and he's the dude in waiting once uh, Collinsworth retires.
0: Exactly. So I think he knows that he'll have that lined up for him. This is a huge get for Fox, yeah, and for Brady. I mean, this is I. You know, to be honest with you, I was surprised because I thought he would go into ownership, mm, maybe with a team. Yeah. So I, yeah. I am kind of surprised at this, but I tell you what, he will definitely have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll be doing stuff a lot more like uh, Tony Romo does on the broadcast. Oh, easily analyzing easily. plays. Easily, um, it'll be tough because I can hear him critiquing the Bills games right now, and he'll have some. It'll, uh, ju-
1: it'll just make it all that more sweet when he calls Mac Jones winning a Super Bowl.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Like will he run out on the field? That's that'll be the, that'll be the true question of that. So we just have to wait and see. But uh, you know, it's good for them. Good, yeah. for, you know, it's good for the sport, and, and you know, it's be better for when Romo's and uh, Breeze's contracts come up.
1: Yeah, Christ, because Brady will be making more money off that deal than he will have had uh, for his entire playing career. Yeah, it's absolutely, Christ.
0: it's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. So for my closing statements. Let's talk some boxing. Okay. So I know that we don't talk a lot about it on here, but there was a fight that happened over the weekend that definitely shook up the boxing world. Dana White
1: was watching it uh, ringside for the UFC fight.
0: Can't blame him because this one definitely was one that common man Vince Atoli from Krosnest MMA called. He's been calling this for weeks. And I was like, yeah, we'll kind of wait and see. And he's like, no, Dimitri Bivol Mm -hmm. is going to pull off the impossible. Oh. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, no, Bevall is going to do it. Huh. Bevall defeated Canelo. Wow. In a very uh, closer fight than uh, it should have ever been. Well,
1: so I think I saw the judges' scores once. Uh, like either that. No, it had to be the next one because I was asleep by the time I got home after UFC. Mm-hmm. Um was super close. It was like within one or two points of each other, wasn't
0: 115 it? 115 to 113 yeah, unanimous. That's, yeah, that's what it was. Which still scary because it should have been a lot it, it wasn't even that close like i'm sorry sure anybody that watched the fight i know joey from so wizard did too and uh a few other people all were commenting Canillo was just outboxed outclassed the entire time like it, it uh-huh. should not have even been anywhere near here so now let's watch uh, so
1: for that uh third fight against
0: glovkin yeah you know what we don't need it because you know triple g never lost two and oh come at me at od parlay or i'll debate that all day it's still a sore subject Goddamn right it is. This is why I don't watch a lot of boxing because of crap like that.
1: I don't... I, I respect boxing and I've got nothing against it. My biggest thing is I can't figure out who the fuck the champions are because they're always walking out there with fifteen championships apiece. Yeah, it's confusing.
0: Yeah, I only tune in for here and there, but uh, I I
1: know names and I re- you know I know the Mayweather's and I know the history with the Tyson's and the Ollies and the and the uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's and you can go through this. I know the names and I recognize some of the names today from the advertisements, but legitimately, like I see the highlights on SportsCenter Center and I'm like, oh, maybe I could get into this guy, and then he comes out with fifteen titles and I go well fuck i can't follow
0: this it's tough to follow i will admit that that's why i only kind of follow a few different ones now like triple g and canelo was like the fight i've been waiting to see yeah everybody's in their prime so this this is kind of interesting though with canelo losing to uh, bible so uh according to the espn.com article bible now 20 and zero, eleven 11 ko's right and And i I know what was it uh canelo did invoke his rematch clause absolutely and canelo now 57 2 and 2 so kind of crazy to see the shakeup in boxing. But, you know, it's, it's always good to see this happen. I think the rematch will be one that fans will definitely be tuning in to see. Yeah. I think that this makes a lot of sense for boxing. And uh, and I have to laugh that uh, in Bible's uh, post-fight press conference, too, um, uh, to quote the ESPN article, oh. I, proved my, I proved myself today I'm the best in the division. And uh, Eddie Hearn, I'm sorry I broke your heart with plans for uh, Triple G. Oh, Jesus. To paraphrase Go a bit. Go for the jugular. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh so now we'll kind of have to wait to see because I mean that fight I guess was already they were planning on doing the September seventeenth. Sure. According to the article. Sure. But uh, that's going to be put on hold. And you know what? I'm okay with that because Glo- <laughs> Triple G didn't lose those fights, so I don't need to see that third fight. I'll probably will watch it though. But still bitter to this day, nevertheless. But hey, the North remembers. Yep, big upset in boxing. Yeah, why do I just keep my anger going here? Uh-oh. So, obviously, we talk Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: The thoughts, views, and opinions of that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is
0: advised. God dang. Pittsburgh is running away with a series that I don't think they should have. Obviously, uh, the Rangers have faced the Penguins in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes. Game one... Uh, Heartbreaker heartbreaker, and triple overtime. No, that was not a misstep. That was not me having any kind of weird uh, out-of-body experience. No, it was triple overtime. Because playoff
1: hockey, they don't go to shutouts or shootouts. They go straight like we're playing until one of
2: you fuckers score.
0: Uh-huh. And the Rangers had unfortunately been charged with a goalie interference that was too close to call that mm-hmm. took away the game-winning goal in regulation. So, the boys came back to take Game 2, but have looked absolutely atrocious in Pittsburgh. The refereeing, in my opinion, has not been good in their favor. Pittsburgh's
1: paycheck is getting through, then.
0: It's it's something, because I'm telling you what, there's a lot of calls that... If you're you're calling them in New York, you got to call them in Pittsburgh. I think I've, I've
1: heard, I think I've heard some rumblings, like just not this series in general, but like some of these series, like series overall, that like the roughing has been ye.
0: The refereeing overall has been very poor in my in my opinion.
1: Like to compare it to baseball, I've heard that their roughing has made Angel Hernandez look like a saint.
0: Yeah, no, to be honest with you, it has. Like I've I've tried catching some other series too, and there's just a lot of stuff that I go, this is really questionable. Like, why are we blowing the whistle here when you didn't do it right earlier in the game? Consistency. Yeah, like that's the one thing that I think is really coming back to haunt every team. And especially with the Rangers, too. I mean, they got routed in Pittsburgh. It wasn't even fun. I mean, they came back, fought valiantly in Game 3. Game 4, that was absolutely trash. They looked absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Shesterkin is struggling right now. They he's are gonna... a kid. But, you know, he's, he's still arguably one of the best goalies in the league. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back from this if they don't wind up going past the first round. Uh, they're losing a lot on the four-check, too. Like, that's something that's really ugh, its driving me nuts. Pittsburgh is grinding on them and just wearing them down. So it will be a tough hill for them to come back. I'm still blue-shirt nation all day, every day. Uh, it's just one of those situations that, ah, God dang, <laughs> it's yeah. tough to watch because especially yeah. when they're just getting outclassed, and I know that they had the wind knocked out of their sales game one. It looked like they bounced back game two, but – Three was a tough one to lose, and then whatever you want to call game four. Mm -hmm. But when you're losing the battles of the the checks there and you're not winning those hard fought battles behind the goalie, it's going to come back to haunt you. And it's coming back to haunt them in the worst way. So the series is not completely done just yet, but. Still a chance. It's still a chance. It's time to circle the wagons. We'll say to quote Gandalf from Lord of the Rings there never was much hope. Only a fool's hope. Indeed. But in this situation, they definitely got to pull something off. And then, you know, the other ones, uh, you know, I I I got to get in a new good place before I talk other teams hockey. I I I just got to keep it Rangers 100%. That's why I say we don't talk hockey on here that much. I'll talk the finals cuz I will watch by then if the Rangers aren't in. But damn, it hurts watching hockey right now. It absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Oh, so let's end this on a happier note talking a little more UFC. Daniel Cormier announced yeah. for the UFC Hall of Fame, worthy uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Well-deserved. Absolutely. if you've never Radio seen,
1: silence from John. Just want to point that out.
0: As he should. John Jones shouldn't say a damn word. I was
1: expecting him to because, well, he never misses an
0: opportunity. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't, but to see what Cormier did in his time in the UFC, let alone outside the UFC, just redefined being a champion, really brought some amazing fights there. Obviously, with John Jones disappearing from the sport for reasons, Cormier stepped in that light heavyweight division and did his thing. I mean, there's a painful weight cut, too, for him, too. Yeah. But went out on a high note and definitely nothing to be shameful about. He definitely a worthy addition to the hall of fame and i know he was super excited about that and i was, I was happy to see that well, too, like I well deserved yeah he was definitely emotional when they made the announcement in front of the crowd this past week at USC 274 so definitely congratulations to him and when it goes on international fight week it'll be a fun one to watch yeah so that all being said pad the music you heard on this edition of the page is that of brian wolf He might be in the Hall of Fame somewhere. Maybe. It's not out of the realm of thought. He's got a big show lined up in Austin, Texas, June 3rd, I believe. Ooh. The EP release is going down. So if you want to find out more about Brian, where do I go, Pat? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over to the music section. Check out everything about Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor, who they're playing some gigs. Tom Jolu, who had a new EP drop over the weekend. Nice. Floodlands, they're playing gigs. Yeah, they are. Yard Party we got to catch up with. We haven't talked to them in a while, but we got to catch up with them. Uh, Anybody that's on that page for the music section, go support. They're amazing people. They give their music out to us to play on all our podcasts. They're just the best, so go support the hell out of them. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory with Pat. How many providers are we on now? Oh, 17,294. Sounds about right. I believe it. So if we're not on your favorite podcast player, let's fix that. Tell us where we're not on, and we'll see what we can do to get that remedied for you. We try being on everybody's site, and definitely subscription numbers are up, downloads are up, everything is up, all the way up. So we're super excited about that. While you're at the website too, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, organizational links, support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're here in. So shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apodolips doing big things. In fact, there's one thing we're still waiting on an email back about. Mm. Super big super big. And of course, 607 Podcasts and 8122 Productions. So shout out to our guys over there doing big things. And we have one big thing coming up at the end of the month too, which is right on the homepage. And that's live stream for the Cure. You're hearing the promo in every single podcast episode on the ODPH. You know the liner notes have the links to support the event. If you need any more information on it, you go right to the homepage of the ODPH. It is a big, big, image on there it says live stream for the cure you click that it will take you to anywhere you need to go support this event pad mm-hmm. anywhere you need to go this is true may 19th through the 21st on twitch.tv slash live stream for the cure spelled f-o-r not the number and definitely go support the event a lot of our podcast friends are taking part in this we're raising money for the cancer research institute to do a hashtag uh future immune to cancer so definitely it's something that means a lot to us and we just gotta uh, say support the hell out of this event it means the absolute world the tea public store is also there too anything and everything that is the odph can be found at odphpodcast.com that's all i got for this week so for the one
1: and only paddle one J, shout out glaber torres hit a walk-off home run yesterday for the yankees and hit the gritty on his uh, home run trot also fuck the astros
0: i'm your host ken m fuck the penguins thank you as always for listening to the odph podcast better known as the ocho Dural parlay hour We'll see you next time. I'm
2: gonna to the punch. I'm gonna to the punch cuz can't bring